0: Let's read God's Word together. So please stand, if you possibly can, just for a few minutes. Let's read this amazing passage of Scripture, our focus for our week here, and then also for several weeks to come, and this theme. Begin at verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Knowing therefore the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it Is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord, and God's people said, Amen. amen. You may be seated. We began a series this morning that we're calling the Gospel of Reconciliation. The Gospel of Reconciliation, and yes, as you can see, it is the theme of our missions conference, but it is much more than that. The gospel of reconciliation, friends, is the mission of the church. It is the mission of the church. We have just concluded a a series focusing on church by the book. As we desire as believers individually and also as a church collectively to grow in grace. And to be more and more aligned on the word of God in our faith and in our practice. And as we want to be that kind of believer by the book and church by the book, we need to understand that the mission of the church is this gospel of reconciliation. It is not too much to say that the church exists because of this mission. And to also say that the church exists for this mission. The church exists because of this mission. You are here today if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And this church exists today at this time, at this place in the kingdom because there were those who went before us with the message of reconciliation. And don't you thank God for those people today in your life and who went before us? And we as a church exist for this mission. This is the mission, that this gospel of reconciliation might be spread throughout the whole world. Now, as we're starting this series today, we don't want to presume just to take words and not look at them a little more carefully. So let's take the two key words. First of all, reconciliation. What do we mean when we say reconciliation? Well, I'm sure most of us would understand that reconciliation has the idea of a restoration of a relationship that's been broken. A relationship has been broken, but now it's been restored. That is reconciliation. And when we think about the gospel, I hope we recognize what the gospel means. Don't be... Misled, gospel is not a style of music, okay, alone. Okay, that's fine. We love gospel music. But the gospel is a word which means good news. Good news. And so this series that we want to focus on is about the good news of reconciliation. The good news that the ultimate relationship that has suffered the most catastrophic destruction that is the relationship between a holy God and rebel sinners like us that has been restored through the merit of our Lord Jesus Christ and friends that is good news that is good news and that is the great mission The great mission of the church is not to send out bad news. It's not to send out lack of faith. It's not to send out a thought that we can't stand because of the opposition that might be from our government or our culture. It's not to bring people under rules and regulation. The gospel is good news. That God was in Christ restoring the relationship between himself. And those who so grievously sinned against him, which is all of us here today, right? That's the gospel of reconciliation. Now, this morning from this text, I want us just to notice a few things about this greatest of all missions. It's the greatest of all missions, the gospel of reconciliation. And I can say that first of all, because the Bible tells us it is God's mission. It is the greatest of all missions because it is God's mission. Friends, look up and listen to what I'm about to tell you. Never forget it. God is a missionary. God is a missionary because God has a mission that he is relentless about. And what is that mission? That mission is found in our text, look, chapter 5. Verses 18 and 19. Here's the missionary God. All this is from God. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us. The message of reconciliation. Now notice, in Christ, God was reconciling. It is God who is the seeker. The Bible makes it very clear, no one seeks after God. We are so hopelessly, completely depraved in our nature and in our minds that if God in his grace did not come and seek us, we would never seek him. Salvation is of the Lord. There is one great seeker and that one great seeker is God whose heart beats for reconciliation. God's a seeking God. And friends, that's good news. That's good news to know that God is seeking not practically perfect people. There are none. He's seeking desperately lost and helpless sinners to restore them to himself. That's good news. God's always been a seeker, God. In the Garden of Eden, when the first rebellion took place between Adam and Eve against their God, What was the first question God asked? Adam, where are you? Where are you? God came seeking Adam and Eve, asking, where are you? And God didn't ask because he didn't know. How many of you realize when God asks a question in the Bible, he doesn't need information? When God asks a question in the Bible, it's not to give himself information. It's to give us illumination. He came seeking these that had rebelled against him. And he told them even there that a redeemer was coming. Someone would come from the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent, though it would wound him deeply. And friend, the rest of this Bible, you could say, is God carrying out his mission. That's what this book is all about. A missionary God who has been offended by sinners but is in great grace and love has come to reconcile them to himself through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a God we serve, right? What a God. That's the Bible message of reconciliation and restoration. And he reconciles people to himself so that they might have what? What's God after? Does God want people under his thumb so they don't get loose again? Is God sending out a message that says, Listen, I'm sick and tired of the way you're acting. And I don't want you ever acting like this again. And so I've got all kinds of rules and regulations to make your life miserable. Is that the message? No. What is God seeking to share? What's his mission? God's mission is to share himself, which is to share unending joy. God's mission is a mission of joy. It's not a mission of accusation. It's not a mission of legalism. It's not a mission of defeat and despondency. God desires that we truly know life, And that it be joy because God is joyful. Did you know that? God is completely joyful in himself. And there's no greater joy than that those people made in his image can be restored back to him to know the joy of him forever. That's what David sang a song about. Did you know David wrote a song about this? He did. It was, it was in the top 40 in the 1008 PC. This was the top 40. And I think Casey Kasem was still talking about it. <laughs> Some of you don't get that. You can Google that as well. But David wrote this psalm. Listen to what he said. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on the earth and your saving power among all nations let the peoples praise you O god let all the peoples praise you let the nations be what glad if your bible says sad get another bible and if your attitude says sad get another attitude God is not here to make us make the world sad. He wants the nations to rejoice in Him. Let the people praise you. That's the mission. That's the ministry. That's the message to share the joy of God with the peoples of the earth. This is the message. This is the ministry. It is God's mission. And Wonderful beyond our imagination. It's a grace mission. It's a grace mission. Second Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that what God gives is absolutely free. Nothing that we should do or could do to earn this. It is all free, free grace. Verse 18. All this is from God. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Look at verse 18 in your Bible. Are you looking at it? What is the all this? All this is from God. All what is from God. Verse 17, this is what's from God. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. <laughs> The old has passed away and the new has come. That's what's from God. This whole new life, this life now and life to come, this is from God in Christ. It's absolutely free for us, but infinitely priceless for him. Infinitely priceless for him. You know, I was thinking this week, One of my favorite childhood memories has to do with Memorial Day in our little Midwest town. And on Memorial Day, my dad and me, my brother Lonnie, we would walk downtown. You had to be there right at the courthouse square for the Memorial Day parade. And I remember it so, so very well. It was just, it was an incredible highlight of our of our growing up days. And I can see them passing by right now. As I think about it, I can see the music groups passing by, a lot of them out of tune, and the guys in the funny cars coming by and going back and forth. I can see the high school band coming by, and I can see the, the floats that weren't that great, but, boy, they were cool to us, made out of farm uh, trucks and stuff like that. And I can remember also the soldiers. And when I was a little boy, I can remember those fresh-faced soldiers who were going off to Vietnam, marching in the parade. And I can remember young men in their late 20s and 30s. They would come marching by. They were the veterans of Korea. And then I can remember men about my dad's age or maybe just a little younger. They would come by. And they're in their uniforms. That's the veterans of World War II. And yes, I can remember some old fellows shuffling by, and they had crammed themselves into their doughboy outfits. And it was the World War I veterans marching by. And I hate to tell you this old, I'm this old. But I remember I remember a truck that came by with four men sitting in rocking chairs, veterans of the Spanish-American War. Can you believe that? I hate to admit that, but I saw it. (laughs) But I tell you what is in my mind. I remember the moment standing there, and the color guard came by, and people just kind of milling around. I looked up, and not my dad. My dad went to ramrod attention. He took his hat off. Put it over his heart. I saw the tears in his eyes. And in my childish way, I understood that what my dad was seeing there in that moment, he was seeing the jungles of New Guinea. He was seeing the carnage of the Philippines where he and his friends had suffered and many of them had lost their life and where he was wounded twice. And I want to tell you something. Every election day, every election day, I'm reminded I can take a ballot because my dad was willing to take a bullet. Freedom isn't free. Freedom isn't free. Free for us, purchased at a terrible price and kept by a great price. But how much greater is the freedom with which we've been made free in the Lord Jesus Christ? Absolute free grace, total free, completely provided in Christ, but what an infinite cost to God and the Son. Infinite cost it was. Verse 25, 21. For our sake, for our sake, put your name there. For Sam Polson's sake, put your name there. He, Jesus, he, God, made him. Jesus, to be sin, the one who had never known sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we, put your name there, Sam Polson, might become what? Almost saved? Just inside the gate? Fixed just a little? No. What do we become in Jesus Christ? The righteousness of God in Him. Who can understand that? Who can comprehend it? We can't. Who can understand God forsaken by God? Who can understand it? Martin Luther, the great reformer said, but thank God we don't have to understand it. We can believe it, right? And trust it. This is the gospel. This is the message of reconciliation. It's God's mission. It's a grace mission. But friends, make sure you recognize this. Ultimately, it's not about us. It's about Him. It's a glory mission. It's a glory mission. The thoughts of chapter 5 here in your Bible, they flow out of the thoughts of chapter 4. What's the key word in chapter 4? You can do the study on your own. The key word is glory. Glory. Glory, the glory of Christ, chapter 4, verse 4. The glory of God, chapter 4, verse 6. The glory we share with them, chapter 4, verse 17. What is glory? The glory means weightiness. It means weightiness, a weighty splendor that belongs only to God. He is the glorious God. He is infinitely weighty and full of splendor. And he shares that with us. And guess what he does through saving sinners like us? He displays his glory and the glory of his son, Jesus Christ, to this world and to all the ages to come. That's the plan. That's what we read, that He's he's displaying His glory right now. How does God display His glory right now? Through the church, through believers. He is displaying His glory. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the, next word, church, the manifold wisdom of God might now, right now, be made known to the rulers and authorities, that's heavenly, angelic beings, those that are righteous and those that are fallen, fallen angels. He displays his glory through his church. I wanna tell you what God's doing is a big deal. And it is so suspend, stupendous that even the angels in heaven can't quite understand it and he does it right under the nose of the demons of hell, and they can't stop it. Isn't that great? I will tell you, Susan and I saw the grace of God on this mission trip. And uh, I'm not going to go through a whole display, but I've got a couple of pictures I want to share with you, okay? Can I do that just here? Because a picture is worth a thousand words, and that means for me it's worth a million of mine. So I want you to know, we took this trip to uh, Thailand and also to um, India. And first of all, I wanted Susan to go and be with me as I was speaking over there. It's a 17-hour flight from um, Atlanta to Delhi. Economy. I want you to know that. Let's get that straight, too, if you want. It was economy. I said, I don't think we can do it. I don't want to do it, and she didn't want to, so I had to sweeten it a little bit. How about halfway, a little layover in Paris, okay? That helped, and so she came along. Here you see her, and right over her left shoulder, you see the Arch de Triomphe there as she's having her uh, cup of coffee, and I was there. I was blessed. I got an idea about the second phase of our building plans here. I thought this got an idea. (laughs) Thought, thought I'd bring that back. I could see that working out here. You know, I, we might have to change the name, not Notre Dame, but Notre Somme. You know, we might call it that. You know. Yeah. And, and we had various modes of transportation. We had planes, and then we had this. And the, the poor guy, he had no problem with Susan, and then I got in. And that, that fellow was grunting away, trying to get us through the streets. We had some these kinds of trips back of a pickup truck with our partner there in uh, India with Peter. Uh, we did that, and then we actually actually went some places we had to have this kind of transportation. You know? <laughs> I've always wanted to do that Dried one of those elephants. Uh, I'm good. I don't ever want to do it again, but I always want to do it. <laughs> but we went to Delhi, and uh, Delhi has scenes that you just Just everywhere. This is just a scene in the middle of the streets. 26 million people in one city. 26 million in one city. And in that city, there are 60 to 70 universities and colleges. 1.2 million college students. 1.2 million college students in one city... Most polluted city in the world, they believe, Delhi. We were there, gathered in this place, middle of that building down in the basement. That's where the worship services are held. That's where the training takes place. And I spent uh, three mornings down there for three to four hours in the basement every morning with these wonderful young church planters uh, doing some training. And then the afternoon, we met students uh, Susan and I here, these delightful students. And Susan, of course, I'm sorry, she, you know, the uh, picture's not better. She had to rally the troops as only she can, and they loved her. And uh, she met some wonderful uh, people, and there's a delightful lady that she was able to spend some time with. But as you go through Delhi, you see things that are so heartbreaking, like this. Cows everywhere, thousands of cows People dying of malnourishment, but these pagan pagan images in people's minds, these are sacred cows with markings of gods on them. And they just wander through the streets. I mean, saw people go up and touch them and pray over them. Such darkness, such paganism. It was uh, so, so incredible. And then the cows, you go out into the... Slums. This is the front yard of one of the houses we visited in the slums. This is the front yard. And the cows sitting in the dump. Had the opportunity to do visitation with some of the pastors. And that's one of the nicer homes in the slum. And we went in and shared with them. Some incredible, wonderful Christians like these young girls. I'm sorry for the blurredness there, but these young ladies... And their mother uh, that Susan met and talked with. And it was so narrow. This is me getting through one of the regular streets in the slum. This is a typical street. And I had to bend down so many times just to get through the uh, streets. But there we were able to pray with people. There's our partner going through the slums. And I was with him. We're praying, talking to folks. And meeting delightful people. Believers like this young woman and she had her little one with her and he would just steal your heart. Blow, blew us kisses as we left. But then trophies of grace. Let me tell you about Akash. I met this man. He, he had come in and he was listening while I was teaching to those church planners, but he himself wasn't a church planner. So I said, I want to know his story. So I went up and I said, tell me a little bit. And he said, well, I'm a, I'm a junior student. A junior year would be here in college. I'm studying uh, computer graphics. He said, and less than a year ago, I, I was just walking through the park. And, I, you know, I read everything. I love to read. And I saw this man handing books out of a bag. He was handing out books. And so if there's a book, I want a book. And he said, I got the book. I'd never seen one before. I took it home, and I started reading the book. And I could tell it was a God book. And I started reading this God book. And the more I read about it, I was so amazed. And he said, then I read about the God's son who came and taught. And then they killed him. He was resurrected. And I understood this God is the true God. This is the way. This is my God. I give my life to this God. He did this on his own. And he's reading a Gideon Bible. A Bible is being passed out as a Gideon Bible. And he didn't know what to do next. He said, What are I? I don't know what to do next. I need to know more about this book. And so he went back to the park. <laughs> and he couldn't find the man passing out the, the books, but he heard someone talking about Jesus. And so he went up and started a conversation. And the man talked with him, said, You must come with me. And he brought him to the church. And he entered in. And now here he is that last night we were there. I was teaching. And here's Akash reading the scriptures for our Bible study. And this man was lost in paganism. And through the word of God, God revealed himself to him. And now he desires to evangelize. It's amazing. It's amazing. We made our way to Chiang Rai, and this is one of the squares, of the temple. And I had to have some, something to eat. And finally, in Chiang Rai, thank God. That's the best hamburger I ever had in my life, I'm telling you. That thing was awesome, awesome. Okay, Susan got some other nastiness she wanted to try. Uh, not me, that was awesome. And then on Sunday morning, I had the opportunity to preach. And there is John, our partner. I met John in March of 1998. He was just in his 20s, a new Christian. I met him under a thatched roof in Thailand. And we began to be friends, and ultimately our church partnered with him. Now he's in his mid to late 40s, a pastor. And now I'm preaching in his church, and he's interpreting for me. And I'm telling you, he is the best interpreter. I sounded awesome. I mean, I was great. (laughs) We we need to get that guy here. I mean, I was awesome. And he's interpreting. But let me tell you where we're standing. We're standing in his church. And right behind his church is this. A 200-foot Buddha. And people from everywhere come to go up in this Buddha and to worship. But John was able to buy that piece of property by God's grace. And he wanted a church the same color of the Buddha so people would be attracted to it. The road to Buddha goes right in front of the church. And there is where they worship every Sunday. And I was reminded what Jesus said. I will build my church and what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you know, on the other side of Buddha, he's got a training center a school and an orphanage, and I told him, I said, John, this is great. You got Buddha surrounded. This is wonderful. (laughs) Awesome. It was incredible. Man. Children everywhere, church bus. This is a church bus, 30 plus girls from the orphanage. Children singing and Susan with some of the ladies and the children singing. Paganism everywhere. Outside one of the restaurants. a pagan idols to appease the gods. Right outside. But you know what was right outside of town that was being dedicated that week? This. And I'm sorry you won't be able to see, see it better. See that little building up there? That's a training center. Ministry center. But you know what it was until last year? A goat barn. It was a goat barn, and it was purchased. The, the, the believers turned it into a training center, and by God's grace, on the flat part, the bottom of the hill, to reach the youth, they were able to build the soccer fields, lighted soccer fields, and youth coming from everywhere to what was formerly fields for goats and a goat barn, and now it is a gospel place of reaching people what an amazing thing and there for that dedication I'm, i met our partners peter and john peter from there in india john and in thailand and i thank god for these two men giants of the faith and then i met this man i'm sorry i gotta tell you this i met this man he's from spain But he was from Thailand originally. He's back for this conference. But his wife was terribly injured in a car accident. And so she could not get the therapy she needed in Thailand. So they said, you need to go someplace where there's more therapy in a warm climate. So he said, we went to Spain. I said, are you in Madrid? He said, no, we're in a part of Spain you've never heard about. I said, what's it called? He said, Alicante, Alicante. And I said, you mean... Like the South Florida of the United States, that Alicante? He said, yes. I said, what's happening there in Alicante? Tell me. I said, because brother, this is of the Lord. I said, what's happening? He said, we've never seen anything like it. Nothing has happened here for years and years and years. And now the last two years, the church has exploded. We are seeing people come to know the Lord. It's grown by over 250%. I said, brother, let me tell you, God brought us here. I said, because in my church in Knoxville, Tennessee, over a hundred times at the least, I've knelt beside a brother now in heaven and heard him call out to God for his homeland, Alicante, and say, Reach my people, Lord, bring them the gospel in Alicante. I heard him do it hundreds of times, this brother right here, Paco Platilero. And Nona, Paco, Paco and Nona became members of this church. We had their funeral right here. They're in glory. And I heard him pray hundreds of times for Alicante. And I met a man in Thailand that said, the breakouts happened and we don't know why. And I said, let me tell you why. I'm telling you, you'd you'd start to think there's a God somewhere, wouldn't you? You start thinking there was a God doing these things. If you didn't know better, you didn't know better. Isn't evolution a wonderful thing? Just amazing. (laughs) I met Cameron from Afghanistan. He became a believer, so we have persecuted. He had to flee Afghanistan. He went to Calcutta. He met other people who had had to flee Afghanistan. He started sharing with them Jesus. Now he pastors two refugee churches of Afghanistanis in Calcutta. And I got to meet this brother. And we had dinner with this brother and some others. This is Peter from India. And the Indians and the Pakistanis have nothing to do with each other. And after the dinner... Peter said, this is the first time I've ever had a meal or fellowship with someone from Pakistan. And they got up and they embraced in the Lord. And then Peter sent me this picture and he put these scriptures. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He has united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall that separated us. Now that, is that why? Only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of reconciliation, brothers and sisters. That's the gospel of reconciliation. And outside of our window was this, and we took the picture. The beautiful rainbow. And we saw it. It was like the capstone for all we've taken in because that rainbow is a sign of the covenant of God, and His grace. And that rainbow encircles the throne of God. And before the throne of God is a people of every nation and tribe and language of all the ends of the earth gathered together, reconciled to God, through the one on the throne, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb who was slain, resurrected, worthy to open the scrolls of the title deed of all creation and redeem it all to himself. I want to tell you, God's awesome. And we're on his, in his family and it's our ministry. And I want us, friends, listen. I want us to praise the name of the Lord our God. Amen.